persons. 54 of them are imperatives. An imperative is a command. All right, let's do it. How we doing, Porch? Night two, week two of our James series as we are looking at the book of James, going verse by verse, studying through a book of the Bible together. Last week, we talked all about trials and how God uses trials to test our faith, to create more maturity in the believer, to depend on him more. And tonight, we're hopping into temptation. But before we do that, a quick welcome to some really important friends tuning in with us live. I want to say what's up to our Porch Live, Cincy, Porch Live, Tulsa, and friends in the room. Help us welcome, for the very first time, a new Porch Live location, Porch Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. Iowa. <laughs> I love it. Two Porch Live locations in Iowa. I mean, it's just crazy. Who knew? And so, of course, my friends here tonight, also in Dallas, what's up? So glad we're here. Uh, Just want to say right off the bat, I have been talking like really weird today. I have no idea what's about to come out of this mouth. Uh, Moses had a stutter. God used him pretty well. So we'll see what happens. Um, But before we get going any further, we are committed to taking you guys verse by verse through this. So I just want to start off by reading the text that we're going to study tonight. So if you would, open up your word to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, like I said last week, trials and testing of our faith, how God puts testing uh, moments in our lives, and God does that for a greater purpose to bring us to him in our suffering. But tonight we're talking about the idea of temptation, something given to us not by God. uh, Testing is used to develop us, but temptation is used to defeat us. And the source of our temptation is not God, it's something else. And that's what we're going to learn tonight from the book of James. And so James chapter 1, verse 13. Let's read. You there? Everyone there? You good? Sweet. It's on the screens if you don't have your Bible. Uh, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then... After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Lots there, but tonight, tackling temptation, and it is really important that you track with me tonight. If you have questions, just raise your hand. I'll call, I'm just kidding. Um, but temptation is really important to cover. When I was thinking about the process of learning about how to fight temptation, I was thinking about our spiritual journey as followers of Jesus, and a lot of times the correlation between one's spiritual journey often aligns with the correlation of one's physical journey. There's a lot of times in the Bible where our physical journey and how we train our bodies and treat our bodies and use our bodies for the glory of God and for health and fitness and different things can be correlated a lot of ways to our spiritual journey. And for me, and I think like a lot of us, I found myself, you know, 2021, this was my year to get fit. That's what I was like, okay, this is my year. I'm going to start kind of a physical journey and I'm going to, you know, um, have that 
summer bod like we all want, and it's coming up quicker than I thought, and uh, working out, you know, and uh, all those different things. And then people that are like really into gym a lot, like the CrossFit fanatics, they're like, but you know, 80% of getting fit is in the kitchen. And I'm like, oh, no, not for me, not for this guy. <laughs> That's not true. You know, I could get it all just up in the gym, just working on my fitness. He's my witness. And, um, <laughs> and so after time, working out double hard, I'm like, I'll work out double hard in the gym so that way I don't have to do the whole kitchen thing, the dieting thing. It didn't work. And I was like, I'm going to start the diet. And I got to be a disciplined person and really cut a lot of things in my life. And so in my physical journey, destination summer bought over there, I'm walking, working out, denying different candies and snacks at parties and gatherings. And then there's this one thing, one thing that every single time tends to just get me off track. And it's these. Chocolate, chocolate chip cookies, my favorite dessert. I don't need pie, I don't need cake, I don't need anything else. I just need me a good chocolate chip cookie. And as I'm on my journey of getting, you know, dieting and all those different things, you know, our sweet coworker, Ramsey Pittman over here, uh, she brings things like this into the office. And here's where um, temptation in my physical journeys tends to look like. I tend to do one of these, you know, and I'm like looking at it, and I'm like, what up, girl? You know, because <laughs> these cookies, man, they're not just any cookies. They got like the perfect like sea salt on top, the perfect like not too chocolatey. You know what I'm talking about? A perfect combination of batter and chocolate chip. When you bite it, it's not too gooey, not too crunchy. It's just the perfect sweet spot. She has it down to a T. Fellas, these cookies could be yours every week by asking Ramsey Pittman out on a date. Um, just kidding, but really you could. She's an amazing girl. But... <laughs> but I look at these cookies and I'm like, not today. But then I start to think about it and I'm like, oh, just one. And we all know that one cookie is never enough. Maybe one more, maybe another after dinner if I'm feeling a little something. <laughs> yeah. And I find myself caving every now and then. And after a few cookies, because I've been trying not to eat sweets, even though I have a major sweet tooth, I find myself sick because I gave in. And I start there because I think a lot of times temptation can look the same. It's not cookies, but in our spiritual journey, we have a destination to look more like God, to do more things for the Lord, to be honoring and use our lives to steward for the glory of God and to live for him. And like how I'm walking towards my destination and these cookies seem to always get me off track in the same way sin wants to get me off track from my pursuit of God. And that begins in the form of temptation. So before we go any further of what James has to say about temptation, I just want to define it really clearly for us. Here is a definition of temptation. Temptation is the moment when you mentally acknowledge the option to choose sin or to choose God. Okay, one more time. It's really important you understand this. Temptation is the moment when you mentally acknowledge the option to choose sin or to choose God. It's the moment when you are deciding, you are weighing the implications of, do I go after what the world is calling out to, for me to do, what sin, my flesh, what Satan is calling for me to do, or do I choose to trust God with the results of my life? It's when you find yourself at the crossroad of choosing yourself to be Lord of your own life or choosing God. 
And in that crossroad, a lot of us, I think, talk about what it looks like to be in an abiding relationship with God. And a lot of us talk about what it looks like to how you go back to God after your sin. But I think a lot of times the reason why a lot of us go back to our sin is because we don't talk about this fork in the road right here that's called temptation. We, we talk about what it looks like to come to God after we sin. But what if there was something that we could be trained on tonight that helps us how to say no to sin and to come to God without having to go through all that unnecessary pain. Because here's the reality, because a lot of you tonight, your parents never learned about temptation. And because of that, they chose to indulge in sin and not to abide with God. And you're still experiencing the repercussions and the consequences of their actions because they never understood temptation. A lot of you have found yourself, I mean, me too, like as I'm studying this guys, like. I'm getting new to this whole sermon prep thing and like taking three verses and like diving deep. And as I'm like learning more about temptation, I'm like, <laughs> like everyone's tempted. We're all tempted. I'm tempted all the time. Like we're all sinning. Everyone's a sinner. We're, what's wrong with us? We're all being deceived and I'm freaking out. And I'm like, wait, okay, that's not new. I knew we were all sinners. <laughs> like, but I think a lot of us don't talk about temptation enough. We talk about the don'ts and the, the sins, but what if we could get out ahead of it? And so Tonight, when you're tempted to gossip, when you're going through that temptation to buy those shoes even though you're in credit card debt. <laughs> Been there. When you're tempted to have that one night stand or when you're tempted to look at porn, when you're tempted to scroll on Instagram on that one girl's account and just let jealousy fester in you, when you're tempted to Snapchat that picture that's just a little bit too revealing to get a response, when you're tempted to drink that drink, when you know it's crossing the line and you're taking something that was meant for good and you're turning it into evil, we're talking about that part of your life. The ability to understand temptation can help one's walk with Christ significantly. Listen, who you are right now, who I am right now and who I want to be with the Lord who you want to be one day with the Lord, which I hope is in a thriving relationship with him. In between that, who you're gonna be one day, in between that is a lot of temptation that can have major consequences on your life. And if you don't know how to fight it, you could suffer the consequences in your 30s and your 40s and your 50s. And you think giving into it right now and feeding your sin a little bit here and there in your 20s is kind of what your 20s are all about. And it is impacting your future and the future people behind you and the people all around you. So that's why James takes a moment tonight to talk about and inform us how to fight temptation to the believer. So he's gonna do that. And tonight we're gonna talk to you about where temptation comes from, what temptation leads to, and how temptation is defeated. So point one, where temptation comes from. Because that's the reality. Most of us, we don't know, you know, every day there's kind of this thing that we talk about in, when being a Christian that you have entered into a war, light versus darkness, angels versus demon, God versus Satan. You're kind of like in the light now and you're, there's a raging war around you. We kind of use that terminology about being in a spiritual war. But if you don't know where the, the arrows and the, and the bullets are coming from, you don't know who to fight. And you could be fighting the wrong person. And so James really clearly lays out where temptation comes from starting in verse 13. He says in verse 13, when tempted, so when you find yourself at that fork, okay, 
When you find yourself at that opportunity, let's say you're at the office and you know some information about a girl and what she did last weekend and some coworkers start talking about that girl and you're like, right now I could gossip about that girl and talk about her and elevate myself by putting her down. And you're like, should these words come out of your mouth? Because ooh, it will feel so sweet. Because she did that one thing that really ticked me off last week and I could really you know, put her down right now. And you find yourself at this opportunity, this temptation to gossip. When that moment comes, in moments like that, James would say, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. It's like I mentioned earlier. Last week, we talked about how God allows testing through trials in our life. And it can be really easy to get confused, testing and tempting. And so what James is making sure that you understand very clearly is temptation comes from a few sources, but one of them is not God. Testing and tempting are not the same things. Why? Because temptation is an invitation to disobey God. And he wouldn't want that. Temptation is an invitation to follow down a path that pulls you further and further away from God. Last time I checked, a good father does not want to be away from his children. He wants to be near them. And the last time I checked, God is perfect. God cannot be in the midst of sin. And so James is just saying, hey, it's, it seems really obvious, but it's quite profound. Your God doesn't make mistakes. Because if he could make mistakes, or if he could sin, or if he could be tempted by sin, that makes him an illegitimate God. He's just like everyone else but he's perfect in every way. That's what makes him a trustworthy father in every way. And so let me remind you that when you're tempted, do not say that God is tempting me because number one, God cannot be tempted. God cannot be in the presence of sin because it would taint his holiness. God is perfect. He cannot be in the presence of sin. Although he is radically in love with the sinner, he hates the sin. And so then he goes on to say, because God does not tempt anyone. So not only can he not be tempted, but nor does, he not, he don't, nor does he tempt anyone because he doesn't want anyone to participate in sin because if you're in sin, then you can't be with him because he's holy. And so there's this moment where James is just saying, hey, God does not want to like put sin in front of you and say, choose this, that is not God. And so to think that God is the problem behind your temptation is crazy because God wants to be with you. God is a father who longs to be with his children. I think a lot of times this looks like, I mean, people might not be like, hey, yeah, I'm just like blaming God all the time for temptation. I know it's like from Satan or wherever. But I think a lot of us, more than we realize, have blamed God for what we think is our problem. Well, God, if you didn't give me these like sexual urges, then I wouldn't have like, Snapchatted her at 2 a.m. and asked her to come watch a movie and then just happened to like, you know, slip my hand up her shirt and all these different things. It's like, it's because you gave me these desires, God. Like if you would just get me out of singleness and let me find my wife, my wifey for lifey, then I could be doing sex the right way. And like, you know, God, like this is kind of your fault. You know, and the point is, is I'm tired of being single, God, this is you. And that's what we do. We kind of blame God and make him the object of our problem. But James is saying here is like, hey, God is not the source of your temptation. God might test you. God might bring trials into your life to allow you to be closer to him, but he does not tempt you to sin. He does not want you to partake in sin. And so if it's not God, who is it, James? And James would say in verse 14, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. 
Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. I read that and I'm like, wait a second. You mean I'm tempting me? Like there's something in me. Like I go in the mirror and I'm like, you, what, what's wrong with you, man? <laughs> like I'm reading this and I'm like, man, it's your fault. And there's something, what, like, what does that mean? That it's my own desires. Why would, if that only results in harm, like what is it in me that would lead me to temptation? And it's what we talk about here called a sin nature. And yes, James parks in on the fact that it's you who wants to sin and give in to those evil desires. But the Bible and books like Ephesians chapter two and Colossians and different places throughout the New Testament and throughout the Bible, honestly, there are often repeated three sources of temptation. Write these down, three sources of temptation because you wanna know where your temptation's coming from. So here's where they're coming from. One, Satan, the, the, the prince of the air, the Bible would say in Ephesians two, Satan. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. He knows that sin is the way in which to do that. Therefore, he tempts you to lead you to choose sin and not God. Satan, the second one, the world, the system, culture, society. We have chosen our sin time and time again. Therefore, taking the world and what God originally designed, we've perverted it in such a way that now the world is constantly sending you things to tempt you and to take you to, uh, it says, hey, meet your own desires. Give yourself care. Do what you want when you want and don't let anyone else tell you any different. It's your truth and nothing but your truth. Do you boo. That's what the world says. But the problem with doing you is the third source of temptation. You. You. You are the problem. James says you are dragged away and lured away and tempted by your own evil desires. Who tempts you? Say you. Who tempts you? I guess you should say me. Who tempts me? Me. <laughs> I'm like, I ain't tempting all y'all. <laughs> and it's so true. Like, I don't care if we're in church right now. Can we all be real? There is a reason why we sin. There's a reason why you and I sin because it's F-U-N, it's fun. There's a reason why we think that we're supposed to live it up in our 20s. There's a reason why we go and we hook up time and time again with people, different people occasionally, every, on the occasion every other week. There are reasons why we go out and get drunk and get high and live for the high highs and the low lows is because there's something intoxicating about it. There's something that is so amazing about the way it makes you feel, the endorphins that are released, all the different things that go on in that. Sin is fun. But we know ultimately we're going to see here and the next part of this is that sin ultimately does not end where it begins. That's the problem. Yourself, Satan, and the world are giving you something fake. They're making you believe that it's worth giving your life to, but it only results in death, which James would say in point two, what temptation leads to. Verse 14. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. I read this and I was like, oh Lord, I'm about to have to give the whole like bees talk thing, the conception and birth and all of that. Like everyone here knows what conception is, right? <laughs> well, don't assume anything. When a mom and a dad love each other very much, they make you. And so, a plus B equals C. That's conception. That's what you need to know. 
And James is using this illustration here, and it's the perfect illustration to give us an idea into what temptation is and what it leads to. What does temptation lead to? It leads to sin, which ultimately, it says here, when full grown, leads to death. So if A plus B equals sin, C, here's what that looks like. It is sin, you'll see. U, U plus choosing evil desire equals sin. Okay, so when you get to that fork in the road that I've been talking about, and you're sitting here, here's what this looks like. Um, what's an example? Like when you're, okay, when you're in bed and you've been feeling super lonely lately, your phone's in your nightstand, you brush your teeth, floss, I hope. I don't floss. <laughs> you're laying in bed and you're right before you fall asleep, you're tired, feeling a little lo- more lonely than usual. All your friends went off with their significant others and you're back at home and all of a sudden you hear that noise and it's the Snapchat notification because you got Snapchat on your phone. You need to delete Snapchat off your phone. It's nothing but trouble. But you got Snapchat and it goes off and you look and it's that name. It's the name of the person that doesn't want commitment with you, but they want pleasure from you. And they want to first butter you up and convince you that you should come over and watch a movie and cuddle and you know it's always gonna lead somewhere else, and you're like, you know, I hate the way I feel the next day, but for now, it could feel good for a moment. And the guilt and shame and the way I feel, the, the, how low I feel about myself and the low self-esteem and the worth issues that are soon to follow this night, you know, for, for just a moment, this short moment, to give in to this would be worth it. All those thoughts, that's called temptation. And you've got to get ahead of it. You've got to start being proactive, not reactive. Because if you are not being proactive and you're being reactive, if you're in a moment of weakness, not ready to embrace temptation because it's coming for every single one of us, you're going to react to that and be like, you know what? I am lonely. And if this is a way out of my loneliness, I'm going every single time. And you lose the fight against temptation. But the problem here is you have to understand it's you plus temptation when you give into it, that equals the sin. Being tempted, this is really important, being tempted is not sinful. You're tempted because you are in a broken world and you're a broken person and you are underneath right now Satan's authority as he reigns on earth. He is not the ultimate authority, but he does have authority on earth. And because of that, you're gonna be tempted. And that does not make you awful, does not make you bad, it makes you human. Temptation is not a sin, however, what you do with it, what you choose to give to it, what is soon to follow after it, the result of it, what you do could lead to sin. And so when you get that Snapchat and you say, you know what, I'm worth more than that because I am a daughter or a son of the Father God. I don't need this. You say thank you, but no thank you. And you call it a night and you go to bed. You have fought temptation. But I'm afraid, I know myself, And I I know for a lot of us here, it's usually, that's not the end of the story. You're out with your friends and you're like, I'm not gonna drink tonight. Everyone's drinking. And you're like, okay, one ranch water, I guess, low calorie, the diet thing. (laughs) You drink, you drink another. You start to feel something and you're like, if I drink one more, 
If I drink one more, I know that I'm crossing the line, and I know that on the other end of that line, on the other end of this temptation, I'm going to be led to sin. I'm going to be led to text that person or do that thing or mess up in some way, and it's going to take me further and further and further. And if you give in, that is what produces sin. But the temptation, the thought you have, does not, is not the sin. It's the result of the brokenness of the world and that you are broken. So because you choose, because you and I choose to sin, because in that moment we don't choose often God or we don't choose, you know, like fellas, like I think a reoccurring one for us, and this is the reason why pornography, and and ladies too, I gotta stop saying that, like ladies too. I think one of the reasons why pornography is on uh, just the way that it is in today's society is one, because it's just temptations everywhere in marketing, in commercials, on billboards, and we don't know how to fight that. We don't know how to get in a fight. And like I said, we're reacting. Temptation hits us, billboard or person walking by or that. And we're reacting to it. And we don't get in front of it. And we fall and we lead. And when it says me plus the temptation is equaling sin because I don't know how to fight it. But you have to know that if you were to give into that, where does it lead to? What does it say in James? That once you give birth to sin and you continue to feed it, it's gonna lead to death. You have to see the end because that's what sin does. It convinces you. Temptation convinces you that sin is going to be amazing for as long as you want it to. But the reality is that sin rarely ever ends where it starts. Sin rarely ever ends where it begins. What do I mean by that? Yeah, like I said, like, and you're in your 20s, you're single, you can go live it up. But like, the reality is, is when you go and you go get wasted, or when you go get high, it usually results in a lot of anxiety and stress or that hangover the next day. Like last time I checked, no one is just getting their hair held back and they're like, this is awesome. You know, like they're puking everywhere. But like, you know, it's coming because sin, when given birth, it leads to so much consequence or wondering, man, all this hooking up, like statistics are, statistics are crazy about STDs and none of us are talking about it. Like, what are we doing? And we're being deceived. Like, man, yeah, this is awesome. Hookup culture is awesome. And yet everyone having to go get tests constantly wondering, do I have an STD? Like on the other end of that, it's no good. It, it doesn't end where it began. What started so fun and carefree and passionate ended in just like embarrassment and guilt and shame. The pornography It's just me, it's not affecting anyone else. This is just me thinking I'm a single, it'll change when I get in a relationship. And then then when you get in that relationship, you start comparing them because you're used to being addicted to variety that you see on the screen. And then that person isn't entertaining you in the way that those women did on that screen or those men did on that screen. And now it's just leading to more and more death and it didn't end how it began. So James is saying here, hey, wake up. Sin is robbing you. Temptation is lying to you. And the more you feed it, like over here, if I, if I go over here and I just, if I were to like right now grab one cookie and eat it, it's like, sure, diet's not ruined, not the end of the world, there's always tomorrow. But like more than likely, I'm like, well, today's already a new day, tomorrow's a new day, let's send it, let's eat a few. And then like, I eat a few cookies, and then I'm like, people want to go eat, I don't know, like salada or something, and I'm like, no thanks. I'm like looking in the mirror and I'm just miserable. 
And what just started off as one cookie, like eating more and more and more, I feel sick. And in the same way, like what started off as just one small thing, you kept feeding it. Like James says, more and more and more. And it grew bigger and bigger and bigger. And it got more and more of an appetite. And now it's devouring you. And you're addicted. You're ashamed. You don't know what it's like to be free. That's never what should mark the life of a Christian in a relationship with the Lord. He wants freedom for you. He wants good things for you, which is why James ends the way he does with temptation. How temptation is defeated. 116. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows, who he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So I'm about to just walk us through as I wrap up three steps, three steps on how temptation is defeated. And I'm just going to take it through sentence by sentence of what James says here. And the first thing he says is, hey, remember what's true. When faced with temptation, when faced with that opportunity to choose God or to choose sin, remember what's true. Wake up. You're being poured lies by Satan or by the world, what culture is saying, what yourself is saying. Your heart, the Bible says, is wicked and deceitful above all else. Don't listen to yourself. You're going to choose you every single time. And that only ends, like he said earlier, in death. And so don't be deceived. And so in the moment of temptation, how you can defeat it is to remember what's true. He says in 16, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. So how? One, know who you're fighting. Point one, know where the source of temptation is coming from. And then two, understand that your temptation is lying to you. Everything we've covered, that's how you remain in remembering truth, constantly being reminded, speaking it out. I remember uh, like the, the time in my life where I started actually bringing accountability into my life. And by accountability, I just mean brothers and sisters who are willing to call you out and call you higher as you pursue the Lord. Accountability changed everything in my life. If I'm, if I'm struggling with lust, I can say, hey guys, I, I'm, I'm struggling with lust. I'm struggling with wondering thoughts. I wanna give in. I wanna, I wanna cross boundaries. I wanna do these things. Will you hold me accountable? Because no soldier goes into the war zone alone. You need other brothers and sisters to remind you of truth. That when you're being deceived, they can say, hey, wake up. You're being lied to. There's no life there. It's leading you to death. Wake up. Because sometimes we can't see it ourselves. And so practically, remember the truth. And let people remind you. Be around people who will constantly remind you of truth. Never forget the power of confessing. Like the truth behind confession. That we confess our sins to one another. We pray for one another so that we will experience healing. The reason why we confess is not just to be better sinners or to like, man, glorify our sin. We confess so that people can remind us of what's true. Because your temptation is constantly deceiving us. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. This fired me up when I read this text and I was thinking about temptation. 
Temptation at times can feel so heavy. When you're driving home and you're like, I know exactly what's waiting for me. That computer's waiting for me when I get home and I'm alone. Or I know when I uh, get to the uh, house with me and my girlfriend or significant other or that person, I know what's coming. And I, and I, or hey, I know tonight when I go out, I'm gonna drink and drink or I'm gonna hit this or do that, whatever it might be. Temptation can feel so heavy and it's like, there's no way I'm breaking free from this. I'm sending it tonight, I'm doing this. If you are a son or daughter of God, we have been given a way out according to this verse. This is a powerful verse. A way to be proactive and to not be deceived is to constantly remind yourself of this verse, that God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When Satan and the world and yourself are convincing you that you have to give in, that this is the only way to fix your loneliness, that this is the only way to bring you satisfaction, that this is better than God, when it's, trying to, when it's screaming that at you, you can shout this verse back at it. Because if God is allowing you to be tempted, it's because he's already predetermined that you can withstand that temptation. That's what this verse is telling me. If God is allowing us to be tempted, it's because he knows he can withstand it. He can choose me because I will give him the strength. That's what that says. There's no temptation to you that you cannot withstand that God allows in your life. That's powerful. So the next time that you feel like all you have to do is cave in, remember, man, if this is, if this is in front of me, if God is tempting me with this, there is power and being a son and daughter of God. And I can resist and I can choose him. Which leads me to step two. You choose him because you remember who your father is. You choose him because you don't forget who he has been and who he is in your life. We can't forget you guys. We can't forget who God really is. In verse 17, it says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of the heavenly lights. Who does not change? like shifting shadows. We have to have the right view of who God is, a God that's a father. So many of us, so many of us wanna to run to ourselves or run to the world or run to any solution other than God because we do not remember who God actually is. You've let uh, culture dictate who God is. You've let media dictate who God is. You've let circumstances or your upbringing or that church that you hated or did that really wrong thing to you or that person dictate who God is. And if you're like, if that's who God is, I want nothing to do with it. God's a judger, God's a dictator, God is a, Cosmic killjoy. He doesn't want me to have vacation. He doesn't want me to have fun. He just wants me to do all these rules and these yes and no's. And that's not who God is. That's not my God. That's not the God in the Bible. That's not who God is saying or who James is saying God is here. James is saying, on the contrary, every good thing you have, whether you follow God or not, he is the creator of everything you have. And every good thing you have is from God. It's not from you. And if you think it's from you, you are being deceived. Every good and perfect gift has come from above. But there is a father of lies, a father of lies, and his name is Satan, and he wants to convince you that he has something better for you than the father of lights. That's what James is referring to as God here is the father of lights, the God who illuminates and allows you to see clearly in the midst of all the fall that temptation creates, you can see that God is not trying to rob from you. He is not trying to rip you off. He is trying to set you free. 
You think that following temptation and going to sin is going to give you freedom? Yeah, night on in the town. Yeah, I can drink when I want. I can get as much as money as I want, the women I want, the men I want, do what I want, when I want. And you are enslaved. You're a slave to sin. And it's, it's deceiving you to believe that you're free, but you're bound. Only in the Lord can one be free. But your sin is going to do everything to convince you that that's not true. It's going to do everything it can to distort and allow you to forget who God is. And so in the face of the temptation, the way you defeat it is to remember that he's a good father who loves to give every good and perfect gift to his children, which is step three. Remember what your father's done. How do you defeat temptation? Remember what your father's done. Verse 18, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. It's really cool here. James uses another birthing analogy. But this time, it's not us plus a choice or a temptation or a desire that gives birth to sin. This time, because us plus sin is gonna continually keep us separated from God, God knew that. So he gave us ultimately the perfect gift through his son. When James says here the word of truth, he's talking about Jesus, his brother. And so he's really saying right here, look at what God has done. He chose, despite when you get to that fork in the road and you choose sin over him and he saw what you would do, that while you were a sinner, he chose to allow you an opportunity to be reborn, to die to your old self that craves sin and wants to be Lord of your own life and to be reborn in Jesus. God gave us the word of truth, also known as Jesus, so that we can be reborn, that we can be new, and so that we can have the strength through Jesus to defeat and conquer temptation because he conquered sin once and for all on the cross. Jesus, looking to Jesus, remembering what the Father has done for you in giving his one and only Son is how you withstand temptation. Remembering that at one point that all had sinned. Today, every one of us come in here with sins that create a separation between us and God. And God did not want that separation. He did not want that distance. He didn't want to keep things from you. He wanted a thriving relationship with his children. And so in order to make that a way, he sent his one and only child so we could be children of God. And that child named Jesus came down to earth. And instead of giving in to temptation, he was literally tempted. There's a part in the Bible where Jesus is literally tempted by Satan himself, like right there in front of him in the midst of a, a wilderness, a desert for 40 days had not eaten. Satan is holding out a platter of bread and is trying to get Jesus to eat it and is tempting him and tempting him. And Jesus does not fall. Jesus remained perfect through it all, making him the perfect sacrifice in a way that you and I never could and so he took himself and he who knew no sin became sin on the cross. And he died our death that we deserved for all the times that when we came to the fork in the road and chose our sin over God, he hung there on that cross and he became sin. Why? Because God knew 
that when the temptation would come, yeah, we would want to choose God, but at times, because we are broken people, we were going to choose our sin. So he came and made his son sin on our behalf. And he died. He died the death that was in our place, and then they buried him. And then three days later, he defeated death. He conquered sin. He rose from the grave. We are about to celebrate one of the greatest days in history when Jesus rose from the grave, declaring victory over sin and death once and for all this weekend. I hope you come and join us. If you don't have a church home, come join us. Good Friday, Saturday, Sunday, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and what it meant for you and I on behalf of our sin. That in the midst of temptation, when it seems that there's nothing that we can do to defeat it, we have Jesus to look to. It is crazy to think that God chose, James says, he chose to give us birth, to give us the opportunity to be reborn through his son's death and burial and resurrection on our behalf. That we may have life. God wants to use young adults to change the world. God wants to use young adults like you and I to declare to the world of his goodness and to bring glory to him. But the reality is, is temptation will be in the way trying to get you to stop that from happening. And Satan is on a mission to do everything he can to stop you from seeing the potential that God wants to use you for to bring his name glory and to use your life in ways that you could never imagine. And so get ready to fight. And look to Jesus. Because Jesus chose you, because Jesus chose you and died on the cross, you now, when faced with the decision to choose your sin or to choose God, have the power to choose God, to say no to sin and yes to God. And when you don't, you have Jesus. Jesus who said, I'll take it for him. So when you're faced to follow temptation, choose Jesus because he chose you. Let's pray. Father, thank you that in the midst of our sin and our suffering, you made a way through Jesus that you did not leave us alone, that you did not leave us here to fight on our own, that you made a way through Jesus that despite our victory, our failures, we can look to Jesus who took our sin and who, who will take those times that we, even tonight, when we're faced with temptation and we come at the crossroads to choose you or to choose sin and we choose sin, may tonight we not use that to run further from you, may we run to you because of Jesus, because he ran to us because he ran down to earth for us. And God, because of that, may we not choose you instead of sin out of some obligation because of, out of an, an, an awe that you would love us that much. Because Jesus chose sin on our behalf, may we choose him instead of our sin. And in that we pray, amen. Let's respond in worship.